Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger. And today I'm joined by Coach Lee Marie once again. Hello, Lee Marie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Lee Marie, how her uh, post show has gone. And I'm assuming that a lot of people are going through post show feels right now, especially with the holidays coming up. There's extra challenges that come along with that. We just had NPC nationals last weekend. So, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are ending their season because really in the NPC, there's only, I think maybe like one or two shows left that maybe in Florida in California, but that's about it. And then December is kind of takes a hiatus and then it goes on until about the Arnold when that starts back up with the season. So that's like February 28th is when things kind of kick off again. So there's a little bit of lull time. So we're going to just talk about, first of all, let's just start Lee Marie with your reverse diet. How is that going? Well, it's going great. I, I'm just every time I do a reverse diet, I'm just struck again with how difficult it is and how disciplined you have to be. And I just think if people understood the difficulty of reverse dieting after a prep or just a cut for a photo shoot, even just a diet in general, how important that is and how difficult it is, it would totally change the game. I mean, I've I've had several athletes make the comment to me that the reverse is harder than the prep. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know if it's harder, but I think it does take more discipline to slowly add calories while your appetite is skyrocketing to keep up the cardio when you're exhausted and you don't have a show in sight. So <laughs> I I mean, I was determined after this show that I was going to reverse perfectly. And I mean, perfectly is like, to me, it's within that 95% range. That's to me perfect. Like, I don't know if it's possible to be 100% perfect. Um, I mean, even with like food labels and things like that, measuring cups and d- different things like that. I can't be 100%, but I wanted to follow it perfectly. And so that has been driving me and motivating me. But at times it it does get a little bit like, why am I doing this? I am three weeks and four days, I believe, (laughs) post-show and we're still doing cardio. We're still tracking everything. We're still on, you know, semi-low calories, but body is responding really well. And I'm really happy with how this reverse is going. Yeah, but we just lowered your cardio and we've been tapering anyways. And I would say you're eating at least 300 to 400 more calories on average per day, especially with your intuitive day and your free meal. Yes. We, so we did add everything. That was really fun. Yeah. In a free meal, added in the intuitive eating days. We actually started because there was a holiday, there was Thanksgiving. So we added in that intuitive day and my body did so well. I actually hit a new low weight that week. So, yeah. Yes. We <laughs> had like, is there another show? <laughs> and then this week was the first time we took cardio back down by like a big chunk a day. So yeah, like a hundred minutes. <laughs> yeah. A week, not a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A week. I, yeah. Definitely that caveat. But you had mentioned that you wanted food to go first because you said yeah. you didn't mind cardio. And that's something that we both, I think, do with our athletes uh, is just ask them 
for permission on which one we need to be more intentional about. So if the athlete feels like they can keep cardio in, then great. Then we'll start incorporating a lot more food in the reverse. If they feel like they can't really have the bandwidth to do cardio anymore, then, you know, we kind of have to go a little bit slower with the calorie um, uptake. So I think it's really important to know your client, know their goals. Like for you, you know, you're different than some of my clients that just they really needed to like pour back into work and time with working. So they did not have time for cardio. So I had to keep their diets a little bit tighter. Um, you, you know, work at a gym, so it's yep. not as inconvenient um, to like get on the treadmill in between clients or something like that, where, um, you know, for other people like that work an office job, they just, you know, are really swamped at this time. And that was kind of like where we put the focus was pulling out like steps and cardio. So they felt like they were having some success there. Um, but yeah, all in all, um, so you're a little different too in the fact that we pretty much right away. So most clients, I am not able to give them an intuitive day until way deep into an improvement season when they have normal hunger signals. So for those of you that don't know, post-show, your leptin, which is your satiety hormone, is super low because it's released by fat cells. And if you don't have very many fat cells, you're not producing a lot of leptin. So you're not feeling satisfied. Your body is like primed to put on body fat because your ghrelin is really high, which is your hunger hormone. And like you said, there's no carrot at the end of the stick. Like uh, what I find a lot of competitors and I'm, you know, totally in the same boat when I'm post-show, it's like, you know, I'm a very competitive person for a lot of people that really, you know, makes a hard line as to whether or not you're going to, you know, like be a little loose on Thanksgiving or, you know, eat an extra snack and things like that. Like if I know that I have a competition on the line and I'm going to be in a bikini in front of a lot of people and I need to be conditioned, I'm going to stay on my things, you know, and if my competition is really far away, it's just hard to like play that mental mind game, you know, like staying on it. So I commend you for, for sticking to it. Um, but yeah, like the free meal and the intuitive day, let's kind of talk about why we need to add that for you. Cause it, for every person, it's totally different and what they can handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big believer in intuitive eating. However, I think most people think of it as step one. And I think it's like step 87. <laughs> I think <laughs> you learn a lot about nutrition. You need to be tracking your food for months and months and months, maybe years, which I have been doing. And you need to be aware of the foods of the foods and the amounts of foods that you eat and what effects they're going to have on your body. So when I asked Amy, if we could do an intuitive eating, even just an intuitive eating meal or an intuitive eating day, what I was not thinking in my head was I want a day where I don't have to think about my diet and I can eat whatever I want. That was not what I was thinking. What I was thinking was, I think I need a mental break from opening up an app and plugging in all my foods. So when I do an intuitive day, I still am in my head and making sure I hit, you know, around 30 grams of protein per meal. I know the foods that I eat are not going to change that much. I'm going to try and listen to my hunger, 
but I'm not going to eat past fullness. I'm going to really watch myself around highly palatable foods. So I don't even really keep snacks or anything in my house, but there are things like coffee creamer or rice cakes or things like that, that I just need to be careful about if I'm not tracking and be like, okay, what's my usual serving size? Three rice cakes. Cool. We're going to do three rice cakes. Eh, maybe we'll do four. But if I start going down that line of, oh, I've got three bags of rice cakes here. It's like, well, no, like watch that. That's not the point because like you said, we are primed to put on body fat right now. And so by, by doing the intuitive eating for me personally, when I'm right out of a show is not when I'm craving, like, I don't like the feeling of being overstuffed. And so like, especially when I'm really lean, I don't want that feeling. I kind of love feeling really lean, but when it gets me is when I start getting deeper and deeper into an improvement season, when you're kind of fluffing out anyways, you kind of get this throw caution to the wind and I'm just having a, you know, craving night and I just want to eat snacks to like, and just, you know, like doesn't even matter anymore. But so I thought, well, first, like within the first month or so out of a show, and I didn't even think we'd do it this soon, but if I can start doing these intuitive days while I'm still really lean and really focused and really driven towards staying lean and putting on lean muscle, then I can kind of train my brain to do intuitive eating, but to really pay attention to how much my body needs versus how much it might want and try to find that balance before we get deep into the improvement and really work on that skill. Because intuitive eating is, that takes discipline too, because you're Mm -hmm. not only listening to what your body is craving, you're figuring out why your body is craving those things and what will be most beneficial, which is finding that energy balance. So not overeating, not undereating. Yeah. And you are the only person that I would ever give intuitive eating this soon because most people, like you said, listening to your hunger signals, they really aren't there. Um, at this point, you know, until you're about eight weeks post show, that's about when most people start feeling real hunger signals. And even then sometimes it takes longer. But the reason why I gave it to you is because you're highly stress driven. And when your cortisol goes down, your body relaxes and you actually are able to like digest your food and you hit new low weights. And that's where the key was, is it was stressing you out to perfectly measure everything. Mm -hmm. So when we take that off the plate for at least one day a week, where you can just mentally have a break from that, it's been a huge game changer because you hit your stage weight, like you hit below your stage weight after Thanksgiving, you hit your stage weight this week. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's showing in your you're dropping cortisol and stress on your body that you're able to respond to this and your metabolism has responded positively. Now with most people, they also don't just want to have a cup of cottage cheese after a show like you do. (laughs) So, (laughs) so when you know your clients, like, you know, that they're like going balls to the walls with sugar and they have those sugar demons in them now. I don't mean to demonize sugar, but like when you have been eating extremely clean and have not had sugar in like several weeks, several months, whatever it is, and you introduce that, it becomes highly addictive to your body and you continuously will start craving more. 
I think that it takes about 14 days for somebody to like detox their sugar demons, so to speak. So if they reintroduce that right after a show and when their hormones are already fighting against them, it kind of makes a a storm because they're already fighting those cravings and hunger signals that aren't correct. And then they're adding on top of that, that sugar craving. So in your case, like, you know, you probably ate more like peanut butter, more rice cakes. Um, like I said, cottage cheese is like what you were craving after a show. So those kind of things, like those aren't going to really spike that, that ravenous demon like sugar does. I mean, it makes you very, very hungry and it's like that dopamine rush and you want to keep getting those hits all the time. And you kind of have to white knuckle it through those two weeks of detoxing it out. Um, Another thing that I've noticed too, is that when people are post-show, they are very lax on their water, which water really helps us when we're hydrated. We're not as like, we don't get those hunger cues as often because sometimes you're just actually dehydrated or thirsty and it feels like you're hungry when in fact you just really need like some more fluids in you. So I've noticed that like a lot of people post show kind of slacking on their water, um, slacking on vegetables can be another thing post show when they do that, it kind of creates that big storm as well because that fiber and all that is like giving you satiety. So just some things to keep in mind. Um, if you are also post show, and all that. So we did the deload. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say one thing on the sugar, um, uh-huh. just a comment because we did do an intuitive day on a holiday. It was Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, um, that was one thing that was a huge red flag for me with intuitive eating. I didn't weigh or measure anything. And I ate a lot of food that day, but I did not eat any sugar. And I just know that after, you know, a prep of, you know, 20 weeks or so of not eating any sugar, my body is not ready to handle sugar. So I still have yet to have sugar, but I've had, you know, other things that are, you know, sweetened with stevia or whatever. Um, Uh And I ate a lot of food. And so it was really more about eating good whole foods and just more amount of foods. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I definitely would say stay, just stay away from sugar and you won't have to deal with that detox at least until your your cravings are at bay and your hunger signals like absolutely add sugar if you like are deep into your improvement you don't you don't have a food focus you are you're having normal hunger signals then absolutely start incorporating it but if it's been a long time that you haven't had it and your calories are still you know within that range of like only a couple hundred more than what you were dieting on because your your metabolism changes when your body is smaller, you know, everything down regulates. And so, you know, you were trying to create a deficit all these weeks leading into yeah. a show. So with the cardio taper, we want to try to pull out those adaptations slowly. So you don't want to quit your cardio cold turkey, especially if you're doing a lot of cardio leading into the show because that was a lot of calories that were getting burned. Your body adapted to that. So you got to start slowly pulling out those adaptations. So whether you kind of hit the calorie um, adaptation first, or you hit the the movement goal first, it's really just the client's preference. But those are some things that you want to keep in mind when um, you are post-show. You don't want to just like, you know, stop 
tracking 100%. You don't want to just stop doing cardio 100%. You got to slowly pull those adaptations out of your body and allow it to adjust. So we did a deload for you the week after the show. Uh, do you want to tell the audience kind of like what that looks like compared to your normal training? Yeah, basically, you gave me, you know, a program that was I think you give me a percentage so lift this percent of what you normally lift mm-hmm. and the first couple of days was great I, I took a complete rest day I think I might have taken two because we had travel days so two complete rest days that was great I just got cardio in just got steps in felt great by the time I got back into the gym I was kind of ready to go. Like, it's really hard for me to back off in the gym. (laughs) So by following the deload, I felt like once the deload was over, it was like raring to go. And so once I got to go back to lifting heavy, it was like, I could tell my body was just ready for it. But I was glad that I was a good girl and followed the deload and went like, there were times I left the gym. I was like, did I even work out? But I was moving, I was moving my muscles, I was getting blood flow through them, but at the same time, not pushing it too hard to let my body recover. And I think that helped a lot because once we went back to lifting heavy, I was able to see some progress pretty fast. So yeah, and deloads, you know, if somebody's doing like five days a week, you know, you want to bring them down to four. If they're doing six days, maybe even bring them down to four. Uh, You're going to be extremely sore after a show because all that posing and all that stage time, you're going to feel like you kind of got hit by a truck. So it's important to do the deload and allow your time, you know, to, for your body to heal, recover. And then, like you said, um, the one caveat though, I would say is like, just don't try to push so, so hard, especially if you kind of overdid it post-show you had a lot of calories and you're like, oh, I want to put these calories to good work. You're going to end up injuring yourself because your body is not used to that kind of intensity. So it's important to kind of like ease your way back into things so you're not getting like so, so sore. So that kind of leads us, it segues us into the post-show training. So what I do for my athletes is the week after their show, I give them a deload plan. And then based on judges feedback and based on if I'm at the show, kind of you know, if we haven't heard from the judge yet um, within that week of the deload, then if I'm at the show, then I'm able to kind of give an assessment. Or if I'm not at the show, by then the stage shots are up and I can give kind of like a, a new training block that is targeted on the areas that the athlete needs growth. And then I also try to start pulling down steps in cardio if that's like our first priority goal um, versus the calories, like I had mentioned before. So based on judges feedback, do you want to share what your judges feedback was? Yeah, I was so, so pleased with my judges feedback. I was expecting to get the same feedback as I got last year. So last year, my feedback was that I needed more size overall, and then especially in the glutes. So that's what we worked on really hard in the improvement season last year. This year, my head in my head, I just thought I was going to get the same feedback. Um, even though we we looked at our side by side photos, and we could definitely tell that we had put on some size. And so my my feedback, the main points were that I do have a good structure for bikini, um, and I just need more muscle density. So to just keep going through improvement seasons and going through prep, keep competing and keep building onto the muscle that I already have and building that muscle density 
which using those words, I think was really, really um, wise of, so the head judge was Becky Clausen. She was the one that gave you that feedback, Amy, for me. Uh And I love that she used those words because then I was able to go back and look at pictures of myself, compare them to pictures of the girls next to me, compare them to pictures of IFBB pros and really see what she was saying about having the structure there, but then needing to see that dense muscle. Um, And that just really encouraged me. I've just been repeating that and repeating that to myself. Just keep doing what you're doing. You have good structure. Just keep putting that you know, putting those muscles to work, keep building onto them, keep making them more dense. Yeah. And you just entered the master's category. You're just 35, but you've only been doing hypertrophy training focused for like, you know, since you started your bodybuilding career where you changed from powerlifting, which was a completely different type of modality where you're, you know, like working on just how much you weight you can push with the core compound lifts. Like, I mean, bench press, like if you're doing a heavy bench press. Oh, I think we just lost you, Amy. (laughs) But yeah, like what you were saying. Oh, shoot. No, I got totally. (laughs) It's all about technique and leverage and just figuring out how to get the most weight up And it's not about time under tension or building muscle size or density or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like making the point like that just it's a little bit more seasoning. So, um, you know, these masters competitors, they've been around the game for a long time. So their muscles are very seasoned. And, you know, the big key words that you want to hear is that you have the right shape, that you have the right structure that's the foundation. And she said that you have a very good foundation. You just need to continue to build it. And I think too, we've added a lot of size to your upper body. So obviously we kind of just are going in the same direction that we know. I mean, I've done EMG tests on your glutes and things like that. So we know that the exercises specifically to your body that activate the glute muscles. And we saw a huge change in them within the last year from Ben Weeder to Ben Weeder. So these are things that, you know, nuances that coaches, if they're in on every aspect of that competitor's, you know, um, programming and things, it's like, I can, I know exactly what you need. And that's completely different than, you know, another body. And um, specifically, you know, that's how I target it. And so that's what your post-show training looked like is just kind of building off that feedback and then moving forward with where we are and what lagging body parts need to move up. So I think we talked about, you know, the, the post show. So what is in store for your next show? Cause I always think it's very important to kind of like listen to the feedback, kind of get a game plan for the next year. So in your case, like with that kind of judges feedback, can you share with the audience kind of what we decided that would be the best route for you to go for um, your next uh, goal. Yes. So my next goal is so my goal for 2024 is obviously to build more muscle density. I also with the reverse diet and the intuitive eating, I want to be able to reverse diet in a way that my metabolism kind of stays in check with my body fat percentage. I want to be able to stay within a, a closer range of my, excuse me, of my show day weight. 
so that when I start a prep, I mean, obviously I know I'm, I'm pretty tall. I'm 5'10". I'm always with all the tall girls at the very end of the show. But so I do need to put on some body weight up from my show weight to add weight, um, to add good quality muscle. But I don't want to put on too much body fat so that I have to diet as hard. My goal is to not have to prep as hard as we did this year so that I can keep the muscle that I've built. But I would like to, I mean, we're planning on going through an improvement season through the first half of next year, kind of checking in around the, you know, July, August point. And then I will, I am planning on doing the Ben Weeder next year and then possibly Masters USA's, which is usually, I think you said it was usually a few weeks after the Ben This Weider. year it was the Saturday after. So Ben Weeder was on Friday and then it was on Saturday. But usually, you know, when I've done it, it's been in December. It's one of those shows that kind of moves around. So for those of you that are kind of looking into trying to set next year's goals, uh, most of the national shows usually land on the same weekend. So it's easy to predict like, hey, this is when that show is going to be. We already know that Ben Weeder is going to be November 16th next year. They just released the date as soon as that show is over. And usually the national calendar will come out right after the national meeting, which happened in Dallas this past weekend. So we'll start to see those, those dates, but typically national shows, you know, like if you think about masters nationals, like it's always the third week of July or, you know, uh, universe that's always 4th of July weekend. So yeah, we're going to kind of have those on our radar and we're going to look to see when masters USA's is. So hopefully they're not the same weekend. Those of you promoters out there, muscle contest and Gary Uta, if you can do that for us. Um, Lee? Yes. Are you still there? Okay. Yeah. Your screen is frozen, but I can oh. hear you. No, I'm still here. Okay. Your your video is frozen from me on my end. But okay. um, before we go, let's talk about the holidays to come and um, just kind of like how relationships and dealing with relatives and all that good stuff that most competitors are going to be challenged with because, you know, a lot of times we have people that aren't involved in the sport that can kind of be, for lack of a better word, like a food pusher. Uh, they just see, you know, okay, well, she was like, you know, she, you made this choice to do it, right? So hopefully you didn't make it feel like to your relatives that you were suffering so badly. But sometimes when they see that you're doing things differently and you're not eating, um, you know, some of the, the normal like family favorites and things at the holidays, especially if you're a new competitor, kind of talk us through, you know, some ideas that you have, like when you first start competing, if you ever had to deal with that or, or not. Yeah. So my family is pretty understanding. I think I'm blessed. Uh -huh. Um, yeah. by, I will get texts from my siblings or my mom and they'll be like, Hey, do you have enough calories to go out with us tonight? Or, Hey, do you have enough carbs if I make popcorn? So they kind of understand cool. <laughs> my way of eating and everything. Um, and, and I always volunteer to make one of the protein sources that we have okay. for a holiday. So I'm always like, oh, I'll do turkey or I'll, you know, make one time we had meatballs and I was like, well, I'll make turkey meatballs or I'll make the brunch. And then I made like a, an egg bake and one of them had like veggies and egg whites. One of them had like eggs and cheese and sausage and stuff. So nice. I always volunteer to bring a main dish that I know I can eat. And then, um. 
I usually will bring a salad too. just contribute, you know, whatever I can bring. And then yeah. I have control over what goes into those ingredients. Um, and then what I have run into a little bit is that I also take personal training clients and my personal training clients will bring me like cookies or fudge or things like that. Uh, yeah. They want me to have them, <laughs> like in front <laughs> of them. So I think the, um, the way that I kind of just get by it, like I will thank them profusely for it. I'll be like, wow, this is amazing. I can't wait to try it. I'm going to save it for Christmas. Like I will take it with me and I'll let you know. And then like, if I have that one day at Christmas where I try, you know, a few different things and, and give them feedback, that's fine. Um, but there definitely is that a little bit of a panic when a, when a client walks into your gym with a plate full of brownies and you're like, oh, <laughs> want me to eat one right now there's no way I can make that fit my calories <laughs> but just being super thankful and then having a quick excuse like oh my goodness I'm so thankful you brought me these I'm gonna save them yeah. I'll let you know kind of thing um and then yeah I've I've just been really blessed because my family kind of really understands um of course there That's are good. a few of just relax Lee have some but they're very understanding of my goals and how tight I need to stay so that I can, you know, maintain control of the reverse diet. I think for yeah. harder to have just one that makes it harder. Like you said, especially if it's sugar, like I yeah. rather not have one and the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So, but I, I definitely think taking something, being thankful and being like, I'm going to save this for Christmas when I can, you know, when I'm going to enjoy it. Christmas is my day to enjoy. And then they're not going to be around at Christmas. They're not going to know if you, if you're not a brownies person, I'm not really a brownies person. I'm a cookie person. You bring me cookies. That's going to be hard. You bring me brownies. You know, I might take a little nibble just so I can tell you, oh my goodness, they were so amazing. And then my family really enjoyed them, you know, but yeah, yeah. polite and thankful, but quite firm in nope I'm good for today but I'll save it and I'll enjoy it later yeah my parents are the same way where they'll be like oh you know do you have a refeed meal that we could go out to dinner when you come to visit or you know a lot of times my husband will cook um and they love for him to cook and he makes things exactly how I love them very healthy and um I know what ingredients he puts in them. So he'll make me like a special thing too. If he ends up putting, you know, like a sauce on something or like, um, he always makes it so that I have things where I can measure them out and I can still feel like included because it's basically part of the spread. He'll make my certain dishes that I like. And then some of the fan favorites for the kids, like he usually will make some sort of like pasta or, you know, some sort of like very, delicious like carbs and things like that that other people partake in and maybe I don't as much sometimes I can if they fit in my macros but um yeah the only person that really I think has been a food food pusher for me even after all these years is like my brother he really enjoys cooking mm. and he's kind of the opposite as Kevin like he He'll put all the stuff in you know and not really care he's like six seven and he is so skinny and he's been skinny his whole life. He's kind of like a garbage can, he can eat whatever. Um, so he's not really conscious about like how he makes things and making them in the most healthy way. He doesn't really care. So sometimes I feel like a little bit bad when he cooks and like he'll kind of, I can tell it kind of like hurts his feelings. Like if I don't eat something. So I try my best to like 
it just like, if I know he's cooking, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, make sure I kind of like budget for that large meal or, you know, hopefully if I have like a refeed or a free meal, I can use it when he's cooking. So he's not like too upset, but I think you kind of have to just, you know, know who people are and know like, you know, what they what they hold valuable, like sometimes like people aren't going to always understand where you're going with it. Um, but, you know, I think as long as we show a little bit of like, you know, throw them a little bit of a bone, like if they, you know, just to keep their. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the peace. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but mm-hmm. yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Definitely. And and a lot of people, like you said, your brother, like their love language might be like cooking for you. And so yeah. it is yeah. all about that. And, you know, often when it's stuff like that too, it can be a little easier maybe to just have a small bit because you sort of feel like you're doing it to them as a favor versus it's something you're really craving. Um, I think that's another tip actually for the holidays is I love to bake and I love baking cookies for Christmas and everything. I saw those on your story. I was like, Ooh, that's on Instagram. Everyone I am baking a lot, but I specifically will bake things that I'm not super tempted by on purpose. So like gingerbread cookies, I made gingerbread cookies the other day. They're my dad's favorite. And I'm not a big gingerbread fan. So it was perfect for me to make those and totally be not tempted by them at all. Versus, you know, something that I might be tempted, like the just straight up cut out sugar cookies with that white frosting. I love those. I let my sister make those. I didn't even go near them. She made them this year. That was fine. I was not tempted at all. So kind of just picking and choosing those things too. You can still be part of the holidays, but you don't have to be tempted as much. And then one other tip too is watch what you consume. So if you are, if you're being tempted by a lot of sweet treats and holiday stuff, watch how much Food Network you watch or cooking shows or those YouTube channels where they just go all out cheat days and they review all the, just don't put yourself through that. Watch other stuff, you know, watch dramas or watch, um, sometimes I just go and I watch like, footage from like the Olympia or like vlogs of like people training like really hard in the gym and that's more motivating so just kind of watch the amount of food content you let in your brain because that can Mm -hmm. really trigger some cravings too and sometimes like if you okay so for your example you see your family all the time right so I see my brother maybe once or twice a year so sometimes it's not worth it to just like if it's not going to be a regular thing You might as well just like have that meal and not like stress about it. Um, Like, for example, I go to Indiana once a year and I see my sister-in-law and she makes homemade cheesecake on Thanksgiving. And I just I knew that I was going to have the cheesecake and I was going to be fine with that because it's very delicious. She homemade. It's so good. Um, And it did not disappoint this year. It was like raspberry, like chocolate truffle. It was so good. But I didn't stress about it. And I actually ended up kind of like dropping weight that week because I just didn't come into that meal with any stress. And I ate my regular meals like the whole rest of the day. You know, I didn't cheat on my diet like the rest of the week. I stuck completely to my macros. 
So I think if it's not something that like you're repetitively around, sometimes it just it's worth it to not like make a fuss about it and like just enjoy it and enjoy that moment. And similar to your intuitive eating days, it's like sometimes when we don't stress about those things and we just aren't super close to a show with that caveat, it's better to just enjoy it and move on and not feel guilt around it. And that can be something to think about as well. Um, and then just one last thought. I I am thinking of one of my clients where she had a father that was very offended if she didn't eat the meal that he made for her every Sunday. So one thing that we did was we created a higher budget on Sunday. And then sat, like Monday through Saturday, we had our calories lower. So we kind of gauged what this typical meal that her dad would make for her every Sunday. And he had a lot of pride in her actually eating the whole thing. Um, so I know it was a little like, it's a little different, but if you can think about like, what is your average calories for the week too, that's another way to strategize. Like if you know, you're going to have like mm -hmm. X amount of calories on one certain day of the week, as long as the other days are a little bit lower. So you average out for the week, the amount of calories that you want to get. That's another way to work around it too, I think. And I think the key to that too is something that you said with the cheesecake is that you planned ahead. So by eating the cheesecake, since you had already decided it was going to be in your plan, you were still following your plan, which meant you didn't feel guilty, which meant it didn't spiral. So I think a lot of this, especially we're talking about like reverse dieting, if it's mental and we go off plan, we get into the effort mode like, oh, I already messed it up. It doesn't yep. matter if I keep messing it up until I get to this point, like whether it's Monday or next week or whatever, then I'll start being good again. But if we can think ahead, like you planned with your athlete that had that meal, if you're following the plan, it's not going to mess with your head because you're actually executing it right. You're doing it right, even though you are eating something that's higher calorie it, it probably makes it easier for you to stick to it the next day after that meal because that was part of the plan. And so then the plan, you just keep doing the plan and you just feel successful and that just rolls over. And so I think if someone is listening and they, they can communicate that to their coach, that would be amazing. But then mm -hmm. also try to do, try to be proactive instead of reactive. So plan yeah. it ahead of time versus oops, I did this. Now I've got to make up for it by under eating my calories. Yeah. That's, that's a slippery slope. So we're not saying that we're not saying like, if you overeat under eat the next week, so your average is the same. Don't do that. Keep following your plan, but plan ahead for next time. So be proactive and not reactive, if that makes sense. Yeah. One other just public service announcement that I want to give is just, if you do fall off your diet. So if you fail on your reverse, don't punish yourself with extra cardio. That is the opposite of what you want to do. That's like binging and purging. Uh, it's just a different form through exercise. So it is not good for your body. Don't restrict yourself either because that will just perpetuate the cycle. So if you go off the rails, you have a bad day, you binge, I would talk with your coach about it because they might want to just increase your baseline calories throughout because that's better than, you know, eating like, three to 5,000 calories in a meal and then trying to restrict yourself to 1,200 calories. And then that cycle just keeps repeating. And your average calories for the whole week is way overboard when, you know, if you find yourself snacking, maybe 
you know, let your coach know about it. So they might want to increase your baseline macros so that you can incorporate those snacks and not feel like you're doing something bad or wrong. Like there's no good or bad in this. It's, it's all about just, you know, not feeling that guilt um, because that does, that does spiral into some bad behaviors like you had mentioned as well. Uh, And I mean, I had to do that with you too. I mean, I am not perfect. I, every time I mess up, I write it in my check-in. I'm like, Amy, on Thursday and Saturday, I went over on protein. I was hungry and I ate it and I'm owning it. And, you know, even those little things that might seem, somebody might be like, you ate an extra chicken breast, boo, that's nothing. To me, if I didn't tell you about that, I wasn't owning up to it. So communicate with your coach. They are on your side and it helps for them to know, you know, and then it just helps with the data. And then we understand like what's going around with your body and then we can help you adjust. There's no judgment. I will never judge anyone because trust me. I've done way worse. <laughs> so every single one of my clients to all of you out there, you're like angels compared to me. <laughs> so I've, d- I've done it all. Trust me. I've been through all of it and I know how hard post show wow. is. And I know how hard a reverse is to follow. It is very difficult. So sometimes it's better to just go into a recovery diet, but you need to give your coach that opportunity to intervene in that way so that they're not going to judge you, but they're going to help you and they're going to support you and get you through it in the best way that they know possible, but they only know what they know. So, you know, one more P you know, what is it? Public service announcement PSA. Don't hide from your coach. Don't stop checking in or stop sending pictures because you feel bloated or gross. Just own up to it. Send them in every week you know, I guarantee you it is not as bad as you think. It's just that we have a little bit of body dysmorphia when it comes to being like so stage lean. And then we're not used to our bodies changing, especially if it's your first show. It's just really hard to see yourself moving in the opposite direction that it's been going for the whole year. So give yourself some grace, hang in there. Uh, We're all rooting for you over here (laughs) at Glam Girl. And if you would like to find us on Instagram, you can go to, um, prep life podcast and find us there. You can tag us on your story. If you like this episode or you found value in it, please share a rating or review. Um, that just helps other people that are interested in the same topics. Find us. You can also find us on Instagram at glam girl bikini, and you can apply for your unicorn prep at glam And we do have our end of the year um, low price packages for our VIP. They are discounted until December 31st. So Lee Marie, if you can put that link in the show notes, um, really good deals on our 48, our 24 and our 16 week packages. So with that, we will sign off. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off with coach Lee Marie Hostetter. Have a good one.